0: Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis.
1: And welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is the Attorney General of the State of North Carolina, the Honorable Josh Stein. And, uh, we have talked, uh, very on several very interesting topics so far. Again, if you missed it, we urge you to go back and listen to it, especially that first segment on the uh, fentanyl and uh, opioid crisis. That was very interesting and you could do that by going to carolinanewsmakers.com. Well, you know, you hardly turn on the TV or listen to radio these days without hearing about a shooting. And of course, gun control and gun violence has been an issue that we've been, as a country, dealing with now for years. And, uh, you know, there's there's a couple of arguments that can be made. One is that guns don't kill people, people do. and that uh, a criminal can get a gun on the other hand uh, there's uh, the side that says well if we control the sell of guns w- there may be fewer out there it's a complicated issue and, and one that uh, uh, there's a lot of ways to argue both cases so what uh let's just turn it over to you and you talk about gun control for a few minutes and and all these uh shootings that we're having today and of course. People are very concerned about the children they safe at school. And many of these are just so random that they're scary.
0: It's terrifying. And There was just a shooting in Goldsboro yesterday, and a teenager was killed, and a couple of other people were shot. Um, gun violence is now the number one cause of death of children in this country. Just let that sink in. First time in history, it hadn't been car crashes or disease or anything else. It's, it's gun violence in north carolina 121 children died due to firearms so so we've got a situation that needs addressing um most gun owners i I fully support people's second amendment rights most gun owners are very responsible but too many don't lock up their guns they just leave them in their glove compartment and they get stolen and then they get into the wrong hands Uh, too many people buy guns who shouldn't be buying guns? If you have a, a violent person, have a violent criminal record, uh, if you're a domestic abuser, you shouldn't be buying a gun. But we don't have rules to protect against those things. One way I think about this, Don, is a gun is very much like a car. It's a piece of metal that's a tool, and. After World War II, the number of people who were dying on our roads, our streets and roads, was astronomical. Our our roads were a place of carnage. We didn't just accept that. We didn't just say, okay, you know what? We all need cars. Therefore, we're just going to allow all these people to die. We made speed limits. We put in seatbelt rules. Then we put in airbag rules. Then we put in crash crumple zones in cars. Then we put in baby seats for children in the back. Then we Put in rumble strips on the highway then we put in drunk driving laws to uh, address impaired driving we did all of these things not a single one of them is responsible for fixing the problem but when you put all of them together we've actually reduced the deaths per road mile traveled by 96 percent. there are literally hundreds of thousands of americans alive today who would be dead if we had done nothing and just accepted the status quo we should not accept the status quo with guns. We should make sure that dangerous people, violent felons, domestic abusers, can't get guns. You have universal background checks to make sure that happens. You need to make sure that people who have mental illness challenges, that when a parent or a neighbor or a friend sees that person as a risk to themselves or to, their other, to other people, that they can go and get that gun temporarily removed. That's a red flag law. We need to make sure that kids, 18, 19 year old, are not buying guns. You cannot buy a beer, you cannot buy a cigarette, but you can buy an AR-15. It doesn't make sense. So there are things we can do that are common sense that do not impinge on anyone's Second Amendment constitutional right, but would make us all safer. And that's what I think we need to be doing. We certainly don't need to be taking steps backwards, which the General Assembly just did, overriding the governor's veto, getting rid of the pistol permitting practice here in North Carolina, which was a background check that sheriffs were able to do to keep guns out of violent people's hands.
1: So uh, you're uh, suggesting that a lot of little things would be better than nothing at all, and that's kind of what we're doing right now.
0: Well, we're not doing little things. Yeah, Nothing at all is what we're doing now. And, yeah, I'm I'm not looking... To go take people's guns. Uh, what I want to do is make sure that guns are used responsibly and kept safely and securely. Uh, you look at the number of people who die by suicide because they can go get their parents' guns, and, and it breaks your heart. It just breaks your heart.
1: Well, it's it's a it's a very interesting situation, and one that uh, uh, we're not the only state that's dealing with this. Uh, how are other states dealing with guns that? Uh, we might model after.
0: Well, uh, other states have passed the red flag law. Indiana did it a few years ago and they had a significant reduction in suicide deaths uh, because people who were not mentally well couldn't get the gun or had it temporarily removed. Um, You know, there are fewer gun deaths uh, in states that have laws with common sense protections than there are in states with no laws. I mean, you just look around the country and see where uh, gun deaths are disproportionate. It's in the states that have no no protections whatsoever.
1: Well, it's an interesting thing. and Of of course, uh, uh, there are very uh, persuasive arguments for a number of different positions, and they're not necessarily wrong, as you've suggested. But uh, uh, guns in the wrong hands are the problem, and uh, that's what we've got to deal with
0: you hit the nail on the head we do not want guns in the wrong people's hands and there are things that we can do to reduce the likelihood that the wrong people have a gun
1: yeah um, i also have on my notes here uh that jason gave me our producer criminal justice fellows program tell me about that
0: that that's a really exciting program that again you talked about working in a bipartisan basis This is an idea that my office had, but the legislature said, let's do it. It it was not Democrat, Republican. It was what's gonna make sense. We need more public spirited, good people going into law enforcement. You know, law enforcement's a tough, tough job, incredibly honorable, and we need good people to become cops. So this CJ Fellows is modeled after the teaching fellows program, which identifies good folks, good young people in high school and says to them, If you go get educated, we'll lend you the money for that education. And then if you serve in law enforcement for four years, we will forgive that loan. You will get your education 100% for free. You'll have a good job and you will be serving the community and the state. And the reason why I'm excited you asked me about this is there are a lot of high school seniors right now wondering what the heck am I gonna do next year? And on April 30th, is the deadline for applications and so if any parents or grandparents out there are listening to this call up your your child or your grandchild and say hey here's a way you can make a difference in your community and you can get your education paid for for free Uh, the website is ncdoj.gov slash cjfellows ncdoj.gov cjfellows
1: we will uh, give that uh, address again a little later on. This will give people a chance to get a people a uh, pencil and paper and, and write that down. But that sounds like a very interesting program. Uh, we're talking about the legislature. What uh, bills are pending the legislature that affect your office? And uh, give us a backdrop on, on what, which ones might uh, be enacted.
0: I highlighted three bills when we opened up our conversation talking about fentanyl that I think are really important. One is the Fentanyl Control Unit to give us prosecutors so we can break up these drug trafficking rings in North Carolina. One's the Novel Opioid Control Act so that we can ensure that all of these deadly chemicals, deadly drugs that are on the streets in our state are actually covered by state law. And then the third is the Stop Counterfeit Pill Act which goes to try to make sure that we don't have these pill presses that can uh, convert fentanyl to make it look like some legitimate uh, pharmaceutical Uh, we're also going to work with the legislature on this issue of cj fellows and other ideas to recruit and retain law enforcement because that's just a really important issue facing our state
1: we uh, have had a lot of talk about inflation Uh, inflation of course puts pressure on people's pocketbooks does the crime rate go up during periods of inflation because people are short of money
0: you know I haven't done an analysis that is sensitive to crime rate and inflation rate I mean there's no question but we saw it with COVID right when people's lives were dislocated turned upside down the crime rate spiked that's why we've seen an increase in in homicides so it makes sense when economics are bad and people are struggling they can't afford whatever it is that they need to live they'll do what it takes uh, and sometimes that includes breaking the law and when that happens we've got to hold folks accountable
1: what are our, our new uh, aspects that retailers are trying that uh, to cut down on the uh, shrinkage or or uh, shoplifting which the honest person pays for in the end.
0: Well, I just had a, a really important meeting with the Truckers Association about skimming. That's where you go to the pump and you put your credit card in. They The criminals are actually inserting technology so that when you put it in, they will read your card information off of the stripe off the back of the card. And they do two things with it. When it's you and me, they will take the credit card uh, and then sell it on the dark web and people will make purchases uh, until somehow our credit card company or you figure out that fraud is being conducted on the credit card but the way they stick it to gas stations is they will have what are called bladder trucks which are big trucks but inside they have all kinds of uh, vast amounts of uh, storage capacity So the criminals will come and essentially empty out the gas tank of a a petrol station, put it in this big bladder truck and then pay with a card that was just skimmed. And then depending on what the contract is between the gas station and the bank, either way, one of them is going to eat a huge loss. And when they have that loss, at the end of the day, we know who pays for it. It's going to be you and me and everybody else. And so we were brainstorming about things that we can do to address this problem of skimming. You know, some of
1: these 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 uh, schemes are so ingenious, you wonder if these people were in legitimate businesses how rich they could really become
0: <laughs> because they have you have to be brave to come up with some of these schemes. Well, not only that, but they are able to engage in a technological war. I mean, we now have these chip cards, right? The chip cards are more secure than the old kind of credit cards that have just the magnetic strip on the back. And so the second that one of these gas stations improves their technology at the pump, the criminals come up with a new way to read it. Uh, and it, it's it, it's it's technological warfare. Uh, and we also see retail theft at some of these big home shopping stores, you know, Lowe's Home Depot, where Criminal Ring will sort of organize a rush at the store and then rush the door out so that the security guard, there's no way they can deal with all of uh, the, the crime that's happening at any one moment. And so there are real problems. <laughs> it really hit home with me at the drugstore. I went to go get some shampoo or something, Everything was locked up like you couldn't get anything uh, without having to go to the front door and get them to come unlock it so you could get the product off the shelf because there's so much petty retail theft happening and it, it needs to be taken very seriously by law enforcement because if we don't take it seriously, then it's just a cost of doing business and all of our prices go up.
1: Our guest is Attorney General Josh Stein, and we've talked about a number of issues. We have one final segment, and we will take time out for these messages. And when we come back, we'll go into some, uh, more the final, that final segment and talk about those issues. You stay tuned. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain sleet and mud in 95 I helped tow your moving trailer in 05 I helped you get out of a ditch yeah I know I'm a bit rusty and sadly in 09 it was sparks from me your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it, unless you're a chameleon.
0: Visit Stop Texts, stoprex.org, A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome
1: back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is the Attorney General of the state of North Carolina, Josh Stein. We've had some very interesting discussions in this program, and if you've missed the earlier segments, especially that first segment, which dealt with the uh, uh, fentanyl problem, I would urge you to go back and listen to it. You can do that by going to carolinanewsmakers.com and hearing the entire broadcast or just those segments that you want to focus in on. Uh, again, uh, we appreciate uh, your time, uh, Mr. Attorney General, and. Uh, One of the things that we haven't talked about that is in the news is TikTok and Instagram and other social media platform problems, and there are a lot of them. So I'm going to sort of turn you loose and bring us up to date on that.
0: Thanks. Uh, There's no question that these social media platforms have a real harmful impact on young people. The study after study shows that using social media platforms can lead to Depression, anxiety, uh, eating disorders, e- even suicide. And so we've got to do more to protect our young people. Um, I've taken a couple of strategies to, to address this issue. One is we created something called a family tech agreement, which is on our website. Just Google NCDOJ and family tech agreement. And it's really, it's written at like the fourth or fifth grade level. And it's all about, being a tool that parents can use to spark a conversation with their children about responsible ways to use the internet. Um, you know, don't talk to strangers. If if something happens that's makes you feel weird, uh, talk to an adult. Talk to your parent about it. Don't put anything on the internet that you wouldn't show a teacher, because if you put it on the internet, it will be captured and somebody adult can see it. And then, of course, remember that there is life. Uh, in the real world, too, and spend time out there, which is really important. The average middle schooler spends five and a half hours on screens a day. The average high schooler spends eight and a half hours a day. It it is absolutely troubling. And I think that for those of us like you and me, Don, who grew up before there were these handheld devices and screens, uh, we, we can't really understand the impact, the seriousness of the impact. And then on on the law enforcement side, I am on the executive committee of two investigations. One is against TikTok and one is against Instagram, which is owned by Meta Facebook. And we are investigating them. We're getting information to learn how dangerous is their product. What policies do they have in place? One, to induce young people to use and to continue to use and to become addicted and what policies do they have to protect young people and those investigations are ongoing uh, it is all about trying to keep kids safe because you know we want kids to be safe wherever they are whether they're at, at school uh, whether they're at summer camp whether they're in little league whether they're at church or whether they're online which is increasingly where they spend time
1: well it's a it's a tough issue and it's almost uh... It's, there, I guess there's some parallels to draw with the uh, fentanyl problem because it can become an addiction in the, some
0: cases. The problem with the reason why I'm so focused on kids, whether it's opioids, whether it's e-cigarettes, whether it's social media, is because the the brain of a teenager is still in development, and the the way that brain is formed as a teenager will impact what happens to them as an adult. There is almost no adult who is addicted to anything, whether it's alcohol, cigarettes, drugs. There's almost no adult who started their addiction as an adult. They all started when they were teenagers. And then they develop what's called the neural pathways where they then become more likely to be addicted to other things in the future. And that's why I wanna do everything I can to protect kids. So we're helping them as they're in formation, but also to help them when they become adults
1: i i want to take this break right now before we get back to another serious question or another issue you gave a couple of addresses on how to get information and uh we said that we would give you a chance to repeat those so that folks had a chance to get pen and paper and uh, so here's your chance <laughs>
0: So if there's any person, any adult out there who knows a high schooler or a recent graduate who would be open to a career in law enforcement, we have a great program called the CJ Fellows Program. The application deadline is April 30th. What it says is we will pay for your education if you serve the state in law enforcement for four years. So ncdoj.gov slash CJ Fellows, ncdoj.gov slash CJ Fellows. And then basically, if you want to learn more about anything else about the family tech agreement, about our investigations into TikTok, our work on opioids, actually, there's a great website. I'm glad you said that on the opioid settlement called ncopioidsettlement.org. And that website has all kinds of information about the extent of the problem, but it also explains how much money each county is getting because of our settlements. And then importantly, as the companies spend the money, There's going to be a public accounting so that you can go look and see what did Anson County do, what did Carteret County do, what did Durham County do, and did they have a positive impact? What were the results of their investments? Uh, Because we want this money to mean something.
1: Thank you very much for that and great information. And we urge people to uh, this is one of those good things that the internet brings us more information and more access to information that we can really use. And so. We urge you to take advantage of those websites. Uh, Okay, so now uh, in recent uh, days, uh, there's been an announcement that you may be seeking higher office. Is that a rumor?
0: (laughs) It is not a rumor. I have officially launched a campaign for governor. Uh, I've been attorney general for six, six and a half years now. And when Governor Cooper's second term is over in 2024, He's term limited. He cannot run again. And so I will be running for governor. As attorney general, I have taken on big fight after big fight on behalf of the people of North Carolina and delivered for the people, whether it's taking on the big drug companies and the opioid crisis, or it's eliminating the backlog of untested sexual assault kits in the state, or it's uh, protecting kids from vaping and and other social media addiction. Or whether it's going after polluters who poison drinking water or it's defending people's fundamental freedoms like their right to reproductive choice and the right to vote. These are all things that I have done as attorney general. These are fights that I've taken on. And that's the passion I want to bring to the governor's office. I want to be able to serve the people and make sure that this economy truly works for everybody. That it, And it works statewide, including small town North Carolina and not just the big cities. I wanna make sure that our schools are strong and kids can get a good education. I wanna make sure our healthcare system works and is affordable and accessible to everybody, no matter where they live, including rural North Carolina or how much money they earn. And of course, we gotta make sure people are safe, whether they're safe at home, in their neighborhood, at school, in their community.
1: So uh, when did you get interested in public service? Uh, Because that's a career and uh, it's a it's a challenging career. Uh, What uh, sparked your interest to get involved in public service?
0: I I would say uh, my family and my faith. And it's been something. It's who I am. Uh, My parents raised my brother, sister and me to try to make a difference. And, And my faith teaches me that we are called to make a difference. That's part of what we must do here in, in our time on earth and so uh for me and honestly Don it was never a question
1: it's just uh been the way you've been led in your entire everything you've done is led up to this point uh and uh, so now one other question is what have you learned as attorney general that you think will be beneficial should you be elected governor
0: I've learned that you have to be able to work across the aisle to get anything done. And that's particularly true in a politically divided state that like North Carolina. I mean, we're we're as purple as they come. We're a 50 50 state and. The Republicans are in power at the legislature, and I I don't anticipate that they'll lose control of the legislature after the next election. Uh, They may not have the supermajority they have now, but they will definitely be in control. Uh, There'll be other Republicans who are in other council state seat races uh, and you have to be able to work together. You have to be able to look. There'll be issues we fight about and we differ, but there are going to be a lot of other other issues where we can work together. And it's how I have served as attorney general on the opioid fight. My fellow lead state uh, was Tennessee and, and the Republican attorney general there, Herbert Slatery. And you have to work together on bipartisan basis if you want to get anything done. As Attorney General, and I know that if you want to get things done for the people of North Carolina as Governor, you have to work together on a bipartisan basis as well.
1: Generally speaking, North Carolina is in better shape than most government, uh, most states, with regard to our debt, with our, uh, um, uh, with all aspects of our budget. Uh, what will be the key platform issue that you will bring forth with regard to the economy?
0: The the main thing we have to do is ensure that the conditions for businesses and individuals to thrive economically exist and that they exist not only in Charlotte, Greensboro and Raleigh, but they exist in Salisbury and Boone and Jacksonville in Elizabeth City all across the state. And what do rural communities need to thrive? They need to have broadband. So we have to have universal access to broadband, and it has to be affordable. We have to have good infrastructure, like roads and railroads. We have to have ports and airports. Uh, we got to make sure every community has a hospital. No community can thrive. No business will locate in a town where... There's not a hospital. Their, their managers won't accept that. And their employers, employees won't want to work there. So they have to have access to health care. You have to have good schools. That includes in rural North Carolina. And that's probably the biggest failing of our General Assembly is they have ceased investing in public education in a meaningful way. We are 50th. We are last in the country in terms of how much we invest in public education as a share of our state's economy. And that's an embarrassment. And as a result, uh, teacher vacancies are greater than they've ever been. Teachers are leaving the profession. We've got to support our educators. We've got to raise teacher pay. We've got to make sure that the supports exist in the schools, like school counselors, nurses, uh, uh, psychiatrists to make sure kids are healthy. Got to have early childhood education so the kids come to school healthy and ready to learn. Strong community colleges, strong universities, these are the issues I'm going to fight for as governor.
1: Well, uh, you left me just enough time to thank you very much for being with us. And a reminder that if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. Uh, it's available right now. That's what right the program ends. carolinanewsmakers.com. And we'll be back next week with another interesting guest. So until next week, have a good week, everybody.